Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you'll need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Save big money on plant protection supplies. Now at Menards. Defend your garden with Triazicide Insect Killer. Its fast-acting formula protects lawns, vegetables, and many other plants. It kills more than 260 insects by contact, above and below ground. Choose from ready-to-spray, concentrate, or granular. Save big money on Triazicide Insect Killer at Menards. And check out our weekly flyer on Menards.com for all the great deals happening now. Save big money at Menards. What's up, you guys? Sean Rossap, managing editor, FightfulMMA.com, FightfulWrestling.com. It's August 6th, 2019. We're in between Newark and Uruguay. Joe, what do you got going on? I just noticed the new screen. I'm like right up to it, so I'm trying to back up. But yeah, all is well. Hope everything, uh, hope everything is well in your world. Uh, everyone, thank you for tuning in live. A uh, bit of a disaster trying to sign, sign in uh, to this show today, so I apologize to everyone. Sean probably knows the drill, but yeah, uh, uh, yeah. when computers crash, a minute before you go live, you're like, ah, uh, ah. Uh. <laughs> so, yeah, all right. Well, guys, reminder, I will be in Toronto this week, taking in a lot of stuff there, getting a lot of content. If you're around, say hi to me. Uh, if you want your question or statement read on the air, donate a Super Chat, any amount that helps us pay podcasters, writers, all that good stuff. Tim Trafer <laughs> donated one and said, just ate two sandwiches and two had, had two glasses of tea, working on my third glass. Thinking about you, Sean, when I drink my tea. <laughs> Watching. <laughs> that is the single greatest super chat message I've ever gotten. Um, let me tell you, buddy, we got ourselves a lot in common. Uh, but we've got UFC Newark to talk about. This will be a bit of an abbreviated show. There's not a ton to kind of discuss in this MMA world as of right now. Uh, but some news off the top. I'm going to kind of switch up the format. Johnny Walker faces Corey Anderson later this year. I think this is the right trajectory, Joe. Uh, yeah, that's a fantastic fight. I mean, I've been paying attention to a lot of the Johnny Walker stuff there and Corey stuff uh, over the past, what, week and a half now? Two weeks with... Uh, even John Jones causing some havoc uh, with anything and everything with those guys. So uh, that's a good, yeah, that's a good fight for the division to say the least. I like it. It makes a lot of sense. It's not a top five guy, but it's a guy that's kind of near it. Well, maybe, I don't know what the hell Corey Anderson's ranked. I haven't done a rankings video in a while, but I'll, I'll pull it up and look. And uh, hey, that's what we'll do. We'll break down the rankings this week. Joe, I, I know that you have access to them. I can't screen share anymore, unfortunately. Uh, but Let's take a look at, at the way that all these rankings have, have unfolded before we get into what happened at Newark. 
pound for pound, Habib jumps John Jones. I don't know how I feel about that, but Dustin Poirier is up two spots, as is Stipe Miocic. Robert Whitaker dropped down two spots. Tony Ferguson up one. McGregor down two. You see all the movement there, even though none of these people fought last week. What does that say to you? I don't know. Sometimes the, the, the rankings, I feel like when, when they get updated, it's like they've corrected themselves. And sometimes I think, well, wait a second. There was one last week that you and I were talking about that. I was like, the guy didn't even fight and he moved up three spots. And the guy that did fight dropped one. I didn't understand. And one and he dropped. I didn't understand how that went. But um, in looking at some of these, I mean, I don't know how Habib can be above John Jones just yet. I could see where people can make that argument. Uh, but John Jones right now, you know, he's probably the best pound-for-pound pound fighter in the sport. Habib, number two. Uh, you can say DC is the best because, you know, two-division champ, uh, light heavyweight and heavyweight. So, uh, yeah, remains to be seen. An interesting uh, bit in the flyweight division. Sergio Pettis moves up a spot. Tim Elliott down one. Brandon Moreno up three. This pushes down Rogerio Bonterran. Jordan Espinoza, Ryan Benoit, all down spot. Not a lot really to talk about there. Again, no movement, but Sergio Pettis back in that division, apparently, now that I would assume that he knows that it's hanging around. You have Dan Hooker, number 14 at debut. This pushes down Islam Makachev. But the real movement came at welterweight. Now, here's the thing. Like, UFC says (laughs) these were updated Monday. But I'm sitting here looking at Colby Covington, number two behind Tyron Woodley. Are you looking at the same thing I am? That is correct. What? How in the hell does that make any sense? You see Leon Edwards jump eight spots at number four. Everybody else pushed down one. But Colby Covington doesn't move a bit. Huh? It makes no sense. It makes no sense. And all, all things considered, after the performance he had on, on Saturday night, uh, the guy's a true number one contender. No ifs, no ands, nor buts. He should be number one. And again, the UFC doesn't make these rankings. They are voted upon, right? Yeah. I don't know what people are voting on. And I just want to look at the panel right here. There are a couple people I've ever, maybe two or three people I've ever heard of on there. A couple. Mm -hmm. So, uh, not a lot of movement anywhere else except for heavyweight and women's flyweight. Shibnil Abdurakimov up one spot to number nine. Ivanov up one spot to ten. Walt Harris jumps three spots to eleven. Uh, you have Alexia Olenek falling three spots to Ivasa one. Marcin Tiburo one. Uh, that, that's about right. I think Walt Harris should probably be right above Blagoy Ivanov, though, to be honest with you. Based on performance, yeah, since Blagoy's come, come over... Uh, he's done good. Don't get me wrong. He hasn't done great. He's done good. But Walt Harris is on a tear right now, uh, especially with you know these quick first round knockouts or first like in the minute. Uh, so he's doing pretty good. But uh, again, we go back to every time we talk about Walt Harris, how he said in that post fight interview, maybe one two fights ago, I think it was, when he said no one can match the speed that I have in this division. Well, now that you're number eleven, you've had a resurgence in your career or basically a renaissance sort of thing. Um, it's been revamped. Now you're starting to move up. You're starting to get in. You know, you're you're, you're three spots away from Cain Velasquez, Sean Ross Sapp's favorite active fighter, uh, and of course you're getting closer to Alistair Overeem. So we'll talk about that in a minute. But uh, Jennifer Maya up two spots to number four at women's flyweight. Joanne Calderwood down one. This uh, pushes up Alexis Davis one spot. Andrea Lee up a spot. Roxanne Modafferi down three spots. There's no way these are current rankings. There's no way. 
that a panel <laughs> updated these this week. Piss off rankings. We'll update you later. But Cain Velasquez was active this week. Joe. I heard. I heard. Tell he me. He had a very impressive debut in AAA. Now, here's the funny thing. I posted this video about look in pro wrestling and size and all this stuff. When you look at Cain Velasquez, he does not look like a pro wrestler. He looks a little bit flabby. It's just the way that he's built. So he gets in that ring and he does some things. And here's the thing, Joe. When we think of Cain Velasquez, we think of one of the greatest heavyweights of all time, one of the greatest big dudes of all time. In wrestling, he's just a fair-sized guy. Wow. And then he runs off the rope, does a back roll off of someone, then a running head scissors Hurricane Rana, before he then does a springboard off the middle rope, turns around and does a tornado arm drag. Like, you would have to see it to understand... And wow. you would look at that and you'd go, wait, him? Kane, the guy with all the injury issues? There, there are little body language things that happen. Kane Velasquez looked incredible. Looked Sounds incredible. Like he did things I couldn't believe that he, did, he w- could do. He did things that you would think that are not his strengths. Now, he did a good high crotch. He said that he's even thought about teaming with Daniel Cormier. And to be quite honest with you, sign me up. Get her done. Sign me up, bro. I will watch that tomorrow. In a, I'd watch that in a heartbeat. That'd be fantastic. You want to talk about a couple of guys? Oh, by the way, Joe, Josh Barnett runs a show called Bloodsport. Yeah. A couple times a year. No pins. It's only submission and KO finishes. Easy for MMA people to trans transition. Uh, our Killer Cross of Impact Wrestling. He runs a show uh that that ran at Future Stars of Wrestling, Natural Born Killers, a while back. Gina and Dave Mazzani both competed at it. You had Stefan Bonner there. You got all kinds of people there. Tom Lawler's made the transition. This is one of the reasons Fightful exists. This type of thing. Yep. And Cain Velasquez impressed. Are you surprised that he did that well? Well, based on, on your assessment, based on your description of, of the moves that he was doing, and uh, yeah. I mean, if you think about Cain Velasquez, you think of a rough and rugged fighter, great wrestler, uh, you know, just pound the crap out of his opponents. You don't think of an agile guy that can pull off uh, some of these moves that you would see in, in, in a squared circle. So I'm happy for him. Very impressed. I mean, I'm assuming you saw it all. Uh, did you notice any sort of like, you mentioned the minutia of some of the stuff that was going down, but did you see a happy Cain Velasquez, a guy that was really enjoying himself? It sounded like it. Everybody that I spoke to at AAA said that he was great to deal with. Uh, he worked ahead of the match. He he was just very easy to deal with. And and that's that's a promising omen. I mean, he says that he's got two more dates confirmed for this. Also, I like the UFC allowing these people to step out and do this, especially Cain Velasquez. That's a big show. This was the biggest show in Mexico this year. That he, he did this on, and he was one of the featured performers. Wore a mask during the match, too. Man. Uh, somebody said, Ronda Rousey opened that door. Fighters can continue to transition. She did not open that door. That no, door was not. open decades ago. Yeah. Decades ago. Uh, in the major leagues of pro wrestling, uh, Ken Shamrock and Dan Severn helped open those doors. Ken Shamrock especially helped Most open Most dangerous those man doors. in the world. Yeah, Kazushi Sakuraba opened up those doors. A lot of other people did that. No no disrespect to your comment, but 
Um, yeah, I, I would love to see that. Uh, what I don't love to see is Mayhem Miller gets a one-year prison sentence for violating a protective order. This guy needs some help, Joe. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I could have told you that a long time ago. Uh, I remember interviewing him, I think it was before The Ultimate Fighter uh, with Bisping. Was it Bisping? Who did do The yeah. Ultimate Fighter with? Was it Bisping? And doing some of those pre-fight interviews, even talking to his manager back in the day, uh, you know, we'd sit him down. And it'd be an absolutely hilarious interview. Like, he'd have us in stitches and, and funny, and then I'm just kind of looking at this guy. He's, there's a wire that's loose. Something going on here. Something really going on here. And then I started realizing, oh, man, this guy's uh, this guy could use some help right now just to calm things down. Like, really, really um, not high-strung, but just amped up. Like, you need to calm down, dude. You need to calm down. But it's unfortunate, man. This, this is a guy that definitely needs help, in my opinion. Dana White might need some help. I don't know what he's thinking. Bring him back tough. He says he doesn't want it to ever go away. I want it to go away soon. I can't remember the last time I cared. There have I been a, was gone. a couple of times, a handful of times. Uh, the the women's straw weight or situation or flyweight situation just out of default. I cared. Uh, you know when they start divisions, I care. When it's for a title shot, I care. But man, this is just a damn. Excuse I me. What what is the what is the the twenty nineteen August twenty nineteen Sean Rossap and everybody on the on the live chat? What is your definition or reasoning behind the Ultimate Fighter? Why have it? Under under what pretense? Under what purpose does it serve? None. There's None. they found a significantly better concept. In Contender Series. Thank you. Now, the thing is, they want to use that to push Fight Pass, obviously. Because why wouldn't they? Or is that on is that on ESPN now? I don't know. Don't know who the, hell, who the hell's got it, but they want to use it to push service. Tough. I mean, let, let's be honest. Compared to whatever ESPN gets for drone racing at one in the afternoon on a Saturday, Tough might beat it. <laughs> so, I kind of understand. Vinny, hold your thought. Vinny Fernando, hold your thought. Go ahead, Sean. Sorry. Uh, well, Vinny Fernando says, I'm indifferent about tough, but hey, we're, we're, we're saving those for super chats. We'll read people's comments on the air when they send those super chats. I'm indifferent about tough, too. Some success has come from them, but at the same time, it's such a dead concept. It's it's beyond the point of burnout anyway when you got these six, seven-hour shows every week. Yeah, I, I, that's the exact conversation I had earlier on today. I met with a a, a realtor on the other side of town. Uh, for for a lunch and for a coffee, and you know he knows me from the UFC world, and we were just talking about um, you know like, you know things have changed so much in Canada uh, and blah blah. You know is, is the UFC still on television? Is the UFC still actually on? And I'm like, yep, still going on. I'm still in and doing this and doing that. Like it's it's and and you know we're talking about the Ultimate Fighter back in the day and and, and what it was all about and and the reasoning behind it and and things have changed so much and it happens in any industry, yeah. Sean. It happens in any sport that. You know, content can get stale if you don't change it up. You ride the wave until it starts dropping, and then you've got to make changes. And, yeah, they've done that with the Ultimate Fighter. They've made a variety of changes. They've had many different types of themes uh, for a season. But you can get – nowadays, you can do a lot more uh, with YouTube than you can do on television with the Ultimate Fighter. So there, there's a bunch of different ways that the UFC could take advantage of promoting fighter and building stars and, and getting – 
people I don't I don't I don't I mean it's it's for the ultimate fighter considering you have Dana White's contender series the ultimate fighter really serves no purpose other than a reality show to see drama you know 16 guys or girls inside of a house under a microscope living in a fishbowl uh, and just you know potentially going nuts in the house if, if that's even what happens anymore because for fighting purposes look at the stuff that you've always said since day one when you watch the ultimate fighter you fast forward until you get to the fight and that's what Dana White's Contender Series is for. Just get us the fight. If you want to build stars, there's many different ways of doing it. I don't believe the ultimate fighter is required. And Dana White said in this sit-down interview, when somebody wins off there, they, they become somebody. No. Who's, who's asking for Juan Espino to fight? Mike Trezano, Brad Katona. Nobody, I mean, Tim Elliott, because he got that title fight, maybe. Andrew Sanchez? Uh-huh. Uh, Kamaru Usman wasn't somebody when he came off there. He, he earned that. Yeah. He got, he had to get there. I, I don't get it, man. I don't get it. Well, now it's time for what, what is, quite frankly, the main event of this podcast. In that same <laughs> sit-down interview, Dana White, whose, whose words I don't think are as definitive as many are making them, says, if Cyborg wants, because he, he made sure to say at the end, if she wants... He will release her from her contract. He will draw up anything that that refutes their right to match whatever offer she might get anywhere else. He said that Chris Cyborg and her management wanted to face uh, Cindy Dandois and Pam Sorensen instead of Amanda Nunes. He said he's got documentation. Now, what I don't like is Dana White caping for the fact that he said that he made the comments and like comically like made fun of Cyborg's physique because she looked like, quote-unquote, Vanderlei Silva. Now, he brought up her drug test. That that happened. She failed a drug test. Making fun of somebody's appearance? Nah, I don't, I don't get that. You could just say, she looks like she's on PEDs. Just say that. Yep. To then cape for what you said, that's dumb. However, Joe... There was a wrinkle here, because after all that happened, after Dana White came out and said what was on that video that Cyborg posted wasn't it, Chris Cyborg came out and apologized, saying, he's right, it was edited together by my production team to make him look bad, I apologize for that. Joe, I want your thoughts first on all this, there's a whole lot to get into. I, I can sum it up very quickly in just that it's the whole being in business with Cyborg and Cyborg being in business with the UFC has always been a debacle. I don't know if Dana White from way back, uh, you know, before Strike Force or Elite XC or whatever it was, has had this bone to pick uh, with Cyborg and or her people. It's just been carried on over and over and over again, month after month, year after year. Uh, it's like they. He couldn't maximize what he – just my opinion, but I don't think he could have – the UFC could have maximized the revenue they thought they could have generated by signing somebody like Cyborg that it's just bitterness. It's just bitterness towards her uh, and vice versa. She doesn't want to take anything that he says. And there's so much uh, broken telephone, miscommunication, different things that come in and out from both camps, whether in person, whether on social media, that it's 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 – a reality show that's on social media. That's all it really is. I've said for months, if not years, Joe, 
that whoever runs social media for Cyborg, whoever handles that end, whoever handles the management end, I don't want to name names because I don't know the guy, even though he blocked me on Twitter (laughs) and would try to refute all this stuff. That person does not truly... if, If they have Cyborg's best interest at mind, then they're dumb. And they don't know business. Because all the things that I've heard, this stuff, chopping up your boss's footage to make him look like shit to gain sympathy, when you know they got cameras backstage, that's dumb. Yeah. Hooking your social media up to a bunch of spam sites, that's dumb and makes you lose credibility. There are going to be people that cape for no matter what. Showing up at the Performance Center, WWE's Performance Center unannounced that's dumb running a story on your social media when you're trying to leverage wwe against ufc and having the balls to publish a story that says oh ronda rousey refuses to re-sign with wwe if they uh negotiate with cyborg and eh, wrong she's under a three-year deal everybody knows she's under a three-year deal reached out to wwe categorically false shot that shit down ain't hard to get a comment Why would you do that? It's dumb. Going and asking for these cake fights so you can forever have the what if thing? Cyborg doesn't need that. She's talented. She's very good. Trust in your fighter. All this talk about brand building. Beating Pam Sorensen doesn't build your brand. It builds a brand of what if? What if? What if? Get rid of that what-if shit. If you want to wrestle, go wrestle. If you want to beat up cans, do it. But leave Cyborg... Let Cyborg do it, goddammit. Don't sit there and put all this trash on her social media that the people that are smart enough can see through. The editing of the footage, the posting the spam links, the posting outright fake fucking stories. It's stupid. Cyborg is one of the most talented female fighters Of all time. She does not need that shit. She does not need the cyborg versus the authority thing. She doesn't need it. Everybody knows that it's her versus the authority. Everybody knows that somewhat begrudgingly she was hired. However, they did also pay her when she was Invicta. In Invicta. They did that. They did... Also, I believe, pay for a nutritionist when she declared that she wanted to go to 135 and never did it. That was a thing that happened. They did want to book her in the Staples Center against Ronda Rousey. Her, her management, whoever the hell it was at that time, wanted more money. Understandable. That was a big fight. I'm not going to fault them for that. But all these things that are out there about Cyborg and how how she's been wronged, yeah, she's been wronged quite a bit, but she's done her fair share of wronging too. The making fun of her appearance and and like like miming that, that's stupid shit. That's such dumb, inexcusable, ridiculous shit. And it's clear that Dana hasn't grown from that, which bothers me. But like, hey, Cyborg is well within her rights to go make six figures somewhere to punch somebody and watch them fall over. And I support her her ability to do that. But man, there's a lot of blame to be thrown around on both sides here. And the sooner that relationship ends, the better for me. Because I'm so sick of it. I'm so sick of, of, of all that. And it almost none of it is from Cyborg herself. 
almost none of it is from herself. It's her management and Dana White. Hot damn, there we go. It's almost like you want to say we want the relationship to get better, but no, nah, end it. Just yeah. for all, just let it go. There, With Ray Elby and Dana White, it ain't happening. Yeah. And, yeah. and the thing is, it's perpetuated as if it's Cyborg and the UFC. It's not. It's, it's, it seems like it's Ray Elby and Dana White. But you yeah. never hear those two mention each other's names. Ever. And that's the weird thing to me. UFC Newark happened this past weekend. What'd you think of that show, Joe? Uh, up until it's funny because the fight that got all the attention, the main event, wasn't great, but the rest of the show was really fun. Oh yeah, I mean, I well, with the exception of the uh, uh, Darko Stosic fight and Kennedy's low blow special fight, um, yeah, it was a pretty good card. I was impressed, man. You know, Mickey Gall did what he had to do, but uh, uh, if I, I was thinking, I was talking to a friend of mine about. Um, she was talking about – anyways, remember how my, my truck got broken into last week? I do. Yeah, and we were just talking about, uh, you know, women's – you know, because they, 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 we actually found a video. We found the, the dudes, and I submitted it to the police and stuff Ooh. like that. And uh, it just got into a weird conversation. You know people are, oh, if that happened on my property, i take a bat to him or her yeah, and blah, blah. And, you know, my running joke whenever I hear something like that is, no, no, you come onto my property. It's kind of self-defense. I'm allowed to use my elbows until the police show up. And it turned into this thing where this a friend of ours, she's like, I've never thrown an elbow in my life, but I see you, your UFC people do it all the time. I bet you that hurts. And I'm like, well, yeah. It's a, <laughs> a bone hitting the skull. And then in the Lucy Pudilova Antonina Shevchenko fight, Lucy nails Shevchenko with three monstrous elbows that split Antonina up. And I'm like, this is what you, this is what it looks like when a woman throws a beautifully executed elbow. I didn't show the end of the fight uh, where she ended up losing, uh, you know, by a rear naked choke. But that's what stood out to me on this main card or on, on this on this UFC newer card is Lucy Pudilova's beautifully executed elbows that Shevchenko some way somehow ate and yeah. eventually choked out her opponent. Uh, and of course, main event Jim Miller and the co-main event, of course, with Clay Guida. But yeah, I, I enjoyed the show to be honest with you. I liked it. I did too, and I tell you what, UFC shows don't need to be six hours, but if they're six hours and they start at noon Eastern, boy, sign me up. I'm all about it. I can dig that. I can get behind that. Uh, That way we're not working until 3 or 4 in the morning, but there was some good stuff on this show. Uh, There were some ref issues on this show. Some of them called for, some of them not. Like There were some spots where... Quite frankly, Herb Dean wasn't going to see anybody tap. But there were a couple where a fighter went around and tapped on both sides, and Herb Dean just did not have his eyes on the hands, and you got it, Joe. What what yeah. could he have done differently? Uh, I'm trying to remember which fight it was where he was he didn't see the tap. Uh, was it the... I think it was Trevin Giles. Trevin Giles, because Herb was on the other side, paying attention more to the choke, which is fine. Uh, but then eventually looking over to see if the tap occurred, and then by the time he realized that it was it was way too late. So yeah. there are a few there where you know I, I I'm not going to fault Herb Dean only because you know to be in the right position is one thing. Uh, safety of the fighters number one, and looking for the tap is extremely important. But sometimes you just the way the body is is the, the positioning of the of the fighter's body 
puts them in a situation where you can't really see the tap and you can't really see you still got to pay attention to other things so I'm not exactly going to fault Herb Dean on all of them uh, but there were a few that you know he just got caught in the wrong spot when the when the submission was going down so Lauren Murphy got a big win Matt Schnell with a big win he's a flyweight that's finishing fights he in my opinion is somebody to look out for Mickey Gall gets a big win uh, I don't know if his sister having Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details forced him to run to get his cardio on track is the most promising thing in the world. Uh, Claudio Silva keeps looking good after he's come back after years. Miranda Granger beat Hannah Goldie on very short notice. But on the main card, Scott Holtzman and Dong Hyun Ma had a great fight, man. That was was a blast. Also, uh, Darko Stasic just blasted Incheco Wu's ball sack across the cage multiple times to the point of where it cost him the fight, Joe. What can we do? How how will his balls ever recover? As someone that's been hospitalized for, uh, uh, we'll call it the 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 term that you're using before. I, I I see that kind of stuff, and I'm like, oh no 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 no. How are you? Five minutes is not a lot of time, but how these guys do it? Thankfully, it didn't connect the way. Uh, you know, it's 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 was probably meant to connect. Good, but keep fighting. But my goodness, I don't know how these guys do it. Sometimes, man, I don't know how they do it. So my thing is in Chekawu, I, I want him to to cut a bunch of weight, and I want Bryce Mitchell to gain a bunch of weight. And you got oh, Bryce boy. Mitchell, whose balls got caught in like a drill. I think You're terrible fighting in Chekawu. That's the right way to go. That's the smart thing to do. I like it. Gerald Mearshart won, as we mentioned. Nas- Nazrat Hakparast won, beating Joe Kim Silva via KO. That was sick. Uh, yeah. But the the two big fights, big, quote-unquote, Jim Miller and Clay Guida. I'm, I'm, it's one of those fights. This reminded me of Ben Henderson, Showtime Pettis, the second one, because I went into that fight, and usually I'm like, oh, I want to finish. I want, it. I want a quick finish. In that fight, I was like, I want them to go the distance i want them to go back and forth i want a war i was ready for this (laughs) with guida and miller instead guida steps in tags miller miller tags guida chokes him out and it is a humbling thing to watch as clay guida is on his knees passed out and the ref has to hold him up Uh, jim miller has now won three of his last four i love it man i love it but the reality of the three victories in the last four, what do we do with Jim Miller? Yeah. Right? What do we do with Jim Miller? Because that loss to Charles Oliveira uh, was all of 75 seconds, yeah. and that was something that shouldn't really happen to Jim Miller, which was a rear naked choke. Did, now, did, you, did you ever think we'd see a time where five straight Jim Miller fights ended in three minutes or under? No. No. Because I don't think he ever had... In the UFC, or, or ever, really, I don't think he's ever had back-to-back fights that ended that quickly. Much less five in a row, but he ain't no, wasting I, time these days. 
the Gomi fight was quick, but other than that, no, everything was yeah. It's 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 strange. I mean, uh, it's not like you know Clay Guida's a bum, right? Definitely not a bum. Yeah. Alex White's a tough guy. Gonzalez is a tough guy. He had won three. You know, he had won three or four going into this fight. Yeah. And well, we, we we talk about cage miles. Sorry to interrupt. Jim Miller's making quick trips to the grocery store. He's not like driving cross country here. He's yeah. he's getting in there and getting out. Well, I, listen, I'm happy for him, but after the fight, when I realized, you know, after the post-fight interview, and he's talking about, you know, I want to do, I want to have one final run here, and I'm like, I don't know, man. I don't know if it's possible. It, God, listen, I, I wish the best for him. Great guys, but he's 35 years old. Tons of MMA mileage on this guy. He's got 45 professional fights. You know, I wish the best for him. I mean, he, he was one of those guys that I was thinking about. I started running through my head. I'm like, who are some of the best fighters in MMA uh, that have never had a title and or have never got a title shot, right? So, you know, he, he's one of those guys. I would like to see him fight Alex Hernandez. Number 13, younger guy. I, I kind of like that one. But Colby Covington just drubbed Robbie Lawler. And I saw people online who had the balls to say that this fight was fixed. No, they didn't. <sighs> God. And, and some people that, said that. Yeah, lots of people did. Somebody even said it to Masvidal. And uh, there was one person I respect that, that actually said it, and I was like, oh, man, come on. A guy thought about fixing a fight a couple years ago, didn't, and still did jail time. Still did jail time. If that happened... The commission would would be in trouble. The company would be in trouble. Both fighters would be in trouble. Uh, management agents, the referee. A lot of people are implicated. That did not happen. Colby Covington is a better fighter than Robbie Lawler. You can like Robbie Lawler all you want. You can dislike Colby Covington all you want. Robbie Lawler got beat everywhere. On the feet, at every range, in the clinch. Colby Covington was a better fighter, Joe. Uh, I didn't have a chance to look before we came on the air. Have there been any reports that Robbie Lawler was injured or broke his left hand? Um, I believe so. I, th- I think he had a hurt hand early in the fight. Okay, because watching the fight, but it's Lawler, uh, man. <laughs> Who's gonna is like he's not gonna use that as an excuse. No, no chance. No, 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 no. The reason why I say that is because um, again, my, my son and I are watching the fight, and he's gonna ask me flat out, "Which one is your friend, Daddy?" That's the one I'm going to root for. I said, well, my friend is, is quote-unquote friend would be Robbie Lawler since I've known since he was a teenager. Uh, I don't know Colby very well. He goes, I'm going to go for Robbie Lawler. I said, okay, well, let's, let's, let's root for Robbie. Let's see how he does. Colby's younger and he's higher ranked. And, oh, yeah, that Colby guy is like number two and your friend is like number 10 or 11. He's going to lose now. I said, no, no, let, let the fight <laughs> play out. So we watched the first round and then I'm sitting there. I'm watching the second round, Sean. And I'm like, look where it's uh, Thomas. I go, you see how, how that Robbie guy is standing? That means his left hand is his powerful hand. He's like, yeah, but he hasn't thrown it in a long time. I go, well, he's, he's going to eventually throw it. Dude, we got to the end of the third round, and I'm like, this thing's not good. Something is going on here. Robbie is not throwing that left hand at all. And we we run back, and I'm like, he hurt his hand in that first round. He's not throwing any power bombs He's not or power punches. He can't because it's got to be busted. Something's going on there, but this is Robbie Lawler. You think no matter what, no matter what kind of injury he's going to sustain, he's going to go as hard as he can. And it wasn't until I think the last minute of the fifth round where he started throwing it again. And then it got into the theory of 
Maybe he wanted to see if he could sort of get Colby Covington to you know, waste a lot of his gas and get down to somewhere empty and then take over the fight. Not that happening. still didn't really ha- Yeah, Colby Covington's got cardio for days, days, and days. So it was a tough fight to watch if you're a Robbie Lawler fan because, in essence, he looked like um, you know a, a punching bag or a target bag for Colby Covington to just you know take advantage of, connect with his punches, take down at will, control at will. Uh, but if you're a Colby Covington fan, you just saw a guy that's got just – the stamina and the, and the just the cardio for days and just t- just dominating opponents and you know can he do that now versus Kamaru Usman? So, what I think was a bigger story in the grand scheme of things was Colby Covington and who he was able to get to promote this fight because yes. and and I'm I'm not trying to I don't I don't care about the politics and I don't care about any of that stuff. I mean I do, but not here. That's not what we're about. Donald Trump tweeted about this fight. 15,000 retweets. He tweeted, straight up tweeted. Yeah. And uh, he said, fight hard tonight, Colby. You are a real champ. 15,000 retweets. Eric Trump and Donald Trump Jr. were there, took pictures with Colby Covington, put him on the phone with the president. You could not buy that type of publicity if you were the UFC. Now, there are some people that say... uh, are there going to be people who actually stop watching the UFC because of this? I doubt it. But are there going to be people that are so tunnel-visioned on Donald Trump that now care about Colby Covington? Yes. And the proof is in the numbers, Joe. What numbers am I looking at? Well, how about July 25th and July 26th? Do you know how many new Twitter followers Colby Covington got on those days combined? I'm curious to know. Fifteen. In the days following his fight, do you know how many new Twitter followers he's gotten? I'm going to go in the thousands. Uh, try 10,000. Uh, 10,000. Wow. So roughly since fight week started, he has went from about 68,000, 69,000 followers to where he will be, he's well over 80,000 now. It's still less than Kamaru Usman, oddly yeah. enough. But this is publicity the UFC couldn't have possibly bought, Joe. Yeah, it's... Although they kind of did buy it. Yes, yeah. (laughs) I don't know the dynamics. Uh, You know, I'm I'm never going to be someone that really, um, you know, spews his mouth about politics. I just simply don't follow politics, Canadian politics, let alone American politics, uh, unless it's something specific. For example, for for my case, the housing market, uh, mortgage-related stuff, I've got to pay attention. Sanctioning and regulating mixed martial arts in Canada... Yeah, that was when I was big into the politics with politics and and understanding the dynamics there, lobbyist groups and blah blah. When it comes to the U.S. of A, uh, I you know, my, what, what real politics do I know other than if I'm flipping through the channel uh, and I stop on CNN or Fox or, or or NBC or an American channel where they're talking about something that Trump did that was absolutely crazy or said uh, that was absolutely crazy, or if there's something happening overseas uh, uh, in the Middle East or whatever, and I'm paying attention to, to the relationships. Uh, between the, the various parties. So when you got a guy like Colby Covington now who is can get on the phone with the president of the United States and the president of the United States' sons are there, what does this really all mean? Is it, you know, at this point, like, it's more than a gimmick. I'll be honest. Uh, people like that love their mascots. I'll just yeah. say that. They love somebody who has a megaphone and can say the things that they're thinking or maybe aren't that confident in saying themselves. 
UFC Uruguay. No post show this weekend as I will be uh, in Toronto. Hold on, hold on, Sean. Hold on, hold on. Before we get to that, because I'm so excited that you're coming to Toronto, I think we should quickly discuss Colby and Camaro. Yeah. What's your take? Yeah, let's go ahead. Race is going to play a big role in this build. But I don't. Yeah, it will. But I don't think it will between Colby and Kamaru. Colby Covington is smarter than anyone gives him credit for. He will not go there and use something like that to build this fight. I don't think. And I don't think Kamaru will bring it up unless Colby brings it up. But there are going to be a lot of people that do bring it up, Joe. Uh, This is going to be one of UFC's bigger pay-per-view fights this year. It is also going to be one of the most boring pay-per-view fights this year. You think so? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, here's the thing. Kamaru's never been taken down, as far as I know. He does a lot of his damage on the ground. Colby Covington, by far, does his most damage on the feet. Like, a lot of people don't realize that. But the the significant, significant uh, majority of his strikes come on the feet. I'm I'm very interested in seeing how this fight plays out. I think Colby wins. Yeah, I think Colby wins this fight. I think he does. I think some way somehow he's able to figure out Kamaru or out pressure him or land that one punch. But I think it's going to be absolutely as long as Colby doesn't psych himself out, he wins this fight. In my opinion, if he if he for one, I minutiae just a, a slight. Kamaru's a good fighter. He loses this fight. Because Kamara will play games with you as well, especially uh, in the octagon. But I think Colby's uh, is crazy enough and strong enough to realize, you know what? I know what I'm in for. Let's do this. I'm sorry, you go against Robbie Lawler and put on that type of performance. Yeah. You're tough, man. You're you're a smart fighter. You're a good guy. And I think he, you know, he's a very intelligent guy. Although his gimmick does make me laugh sometimes. Like it's like that. I legit, maybe it's my age, Sean, and everyone tuned in right now. Like sometimes I look at some of Colby's stuff, and it's like a little brother where I'm like, yeah, I'll let you have that spotlight, but yeah. shut up. Now you're being an idiot. Stop. Right, but I'm down for it. I love it all day, every day. Also, I love that Robbie Lawler isn't retiring. You know, when anybody gets beaten, everybody's like, "Ah, oh, retire!" No, he he stood in there for five rounds with Colby Covington and got drubbed. But hey, but we do have UFC Uruguay this Saturday. Uh, a reminder, guys, subscribe to YouTube.com/slash Fightful MMA Boxing. These shows will go up after they are live, as well as clips, previews, interviews, lots of stuff like that. Uh, individual fight reviews after uh, fight night shows. I will chop up those and post them. But we've got uh, no post show. We'll be covering that on next Tuesday's MMA podcast. You have Ariana Carnalasi, a plus 150. Talia Santos, a minus 170. I don't think that fight's happening, though. I think that fight got pulled. Best fight odds needs to update it. Alex Da Silva, a minus 265. Uh, Rodrigo Vargas, a plus 225. You have Alexi Kachinko, a minus 155, Gilbert Burns, a plus 135, Chris Gutierrez, plus 120, Geraldo De Freitas, a minus 140, Rulian Paiva and Rogerio Bontorin, just even odds at minus 110. Then you have Surreal Gain, a minus 430, a giant favorite. Rafael Pessoa, a plus 345, Bobby Moffitt, a plus 125, Enrique Barzola, a minus 145. We then uh, get into Oscar Picota, plus two, 180. Rodolfo Vieira, a minus 220. Humberto Bandene, a plus 110. Luis Garagori, a minus 130. 
Pollyanna Viana, minus 115. Veronica Macedo, minus 105. That was about 10, 11 fights where nobody knows who the hell these people are. You might know Pollyanna Viana. You might know Gilbert Burns. That's about it, Joseph. Yeah, I I mean, I'm surprised Gilbert Burns is plus 135. You, you better put that in here. I got five on it. Yeah, I'm bringing uh, that back. I keep forgetting it. Yeah, no, that, that Gilbert Burns at plus 135. Uh, take Neffman away from Konchenko. Yeah, you, you can give me Gilbert Burns because he can turn a fight any way he wants. It strikes, with obviously, with submissions. Uh, and he's a tank. So uh, you know, I'm interested in seeing that. But, again, it is... It's perhaps a uh, you know uh, a heavy card for the for those that are that are watching live in Uruguay sort of thing. But it, I, I got into a really heated debate uh, with Frank Trigg and um, uh, Shingo over in Ryzen about the thoughts that you and I have exposed here on this podcast about my thoughts on what the UFC needs to do. Uh, and I know it's not a rising show, but what you know, MMA or UFC you to, need to do in general uh, to improve their product and not have shows like this. Uh, clearly, I'm out to lunch because they, it got really heated at that, at that breakfast table. But uh, other than that, this is a show here. I mean, you went through what nine fights there? Yeah, a ton, a ton. And it's like who? Meanwhile, you have a fight. I never thought that. Minus 150, Tisha Torres, who has lost three fights in a row against Marina Rodriguez, a plus 130. That's a fight I'm really interested in. Uh, Marina came off of last year's Contender Series, had that draw with Random Marcos, uh, had a couple fights pulled. She couldn't get in there with Alexa Grasso. They both got hurt earlier this year. But she did beat Jessica Aguilar. If she beats Tisha Torres... That's impressive. That's a fight worth worth looking at. But for Tisha Torres, if you lose three fights in a row, even if it's to Andrade, Yanjacek, and Wiley Zong, who's competing for the title, you, you don't want to lose four fights in a row, Joe. That, that looks bad. Coming from the woman who a lot of people thought was going to be the person who dominated this division for years, if not a decade to come at one point. I remember in 2013, ahead of Tough, I was like, man, this woman has just dominated on the, the amateur circuit. She stepped in and beat Paige Van Zant, Rose Namajunas, and Felice Herrig back to back to back. And those wins aged really well. It's just not been there for her. Outside of when she got to the Andrage fight, she's never been able to put that back together. Will she be able to do it against Marina Rodriguez, who has thus far never been beaten? Look at Yeah, it's, it's tough to say because if you look at the four losses on Tisha Torres's resume, they're the top four women, or three of the top four women in the sport, uh, with one of them, the fourth, competing for a title. So, and she went the distance with every single one of them. None of them finished her, right? Yeah. So it, it's safe to say Tisha Torres is, you know, tough as nails. She can't really be finished because the best in the sport haven't been able to finish her. Uh, she just... She's she's stuck in that sort of no woman's land there, right? Like trying to get to a certain level but can't and then does good when she fights someone in the lower echelon and then gets to the top and it's like, oh, I just can't get there, right? So uh, I'm still picking Tisha or uh, I'm picking Taurus in this fight. The prop bet for the fight goes to decision a minus 350. Because yeah, Tisha well, Torres, it. come on. Yeah. yeah. I am rather excited for Volkan Ozdemir against 
Eler Latifi this fight. Finally. God, they were try they tried to put it together in June and Latifi had a back injury. They tried to put it together um, for this past weekend and visa issues happened. Finally, it's happening. But Ozdemir has not won a fight since getting to the mountaintop, Joe. Not only that, he's been rebooked and pulled and like Ozdemir couldn't leave the U.S. at one point and then it got rebooked and both fighters got hurt before the Gustafson fight. He does not have a win in over two years since Jimmy Manawa. And since then, people have figured him out. Not only is he getting out of the first round, people are dragging him into deep waters and drowning him. Quite frankly, that's something that I think that Elor Latifi is capable of doing, Joe. And that's why these betting odds are Ozdemir minus 145, Elor Latifi plus 125. These are right where I think they should be. Elor Latifi has met far different success than, than Ozdemir, uh, at least when he gets in the cage, because let's be honest, the guy has been hurt a lot. He got pulled from the OSP fight originally, got pulled from the Glover fight originally, and then all this. Four or five fights canceled in recent years, and he's not fought that regularly. How does all this play into Ozdemir versus Latifi, one of the more interesting fights on this show? Well, Ozdemir, you know, cannot lose. No bueno, Vulcan. No bueno, you must win. Latifi can afford to lose uh, if there's a loss to be handed out. So uh, I like the odds where they're at at minus 145. I am going to lean towards Vulcan Ozdemir. Uh, emerging victorious in this fight only because I think he's, you know, that reach advantage. I know a lot of guys have reach on either Latifi in this division because he's a short, stocky fighter, but uh, Ozdemir's back is against the wall, man, and that's a dangerous scenario. As long as he doesn't fight safe, uh, I think he's going to put the the pressure on Latifi until he eventually lands something that uh, ends up being a finisher. I'm with you. Uh, You also have Vicente Luque who is just on a roll, man. Won five in a row. Uh, he's won nine out of ten, which is crazy to think. His one loss throughout there is Leon Edwards, taking on Mike Perry, who is also somewhat on a roll. He's won three, or actually he's won two out of three. Uh, the third fight I'm looking at, he actually won a grappling match last month. Uh, but he beat Alex Oliveira. He's beat Paul Felder. Paul Felder, you know, was over oversized there or overmatched in, in size, but you look at Vicente Luque, a minus 230, Perry, a plus 190. I like where those odds are as well. Vicente Luque is very good, and I think that Mike Perry is okay, and I think that's really going to shine through as this fight goes on and on. And the thing is, Joe, Luque can beat you anywhere, and he doesn't waste his time doing it. Because if he does waste his time doing it, that's when he loses. That's when he lost to Mike Graves. That's when he lost to Leon Edwards. When those fights went past the second round, it, the only time that he, he won a fight after it went to the second round, or after it went to the third round, was when he finished off Brian Barbarino with seconds to spare earlier this year. Who do you think takes this one? Oh, Luque. Vicente yeah. Luque is just going to... I'm not saying he's going to steamroll Mike Perry, but if this thing makes it 10 minutes, I will be surprised. Yeah. So uh, that's going to be, like, I, I would definitely rock with a Luque by finish prop bet, but I, I don't see one available. So no, it just I would, says fight goes or doesn't go to the decision. Yeah, and the doesn't go to the decision is a minus 265. So what the hell? I'll there tell you who I got 5-1. Liz Carmouche, a plus 800? <laughs> Woo! 
Valentina Shevchenko a minus 1250, and perhaps so. Valentina Shevchenko, easily the greatest flyweight women's fighter to ever do it. Not like there's a giant sample size, but come on. You know what the deal is here. You know what's up. (laughs) She is just the best. Now, here's the thing. Liz Carmouche beat her nine years ago. But a lot can change in nine years, Joe. (laughs) Yeah, like becoming a champion. Like becoming a champion and being in there with some of the greats. But uh, so is Carmouche. Carmouche was real close to beating Ronda Rousey. She went to the scorecards with Misha Tate. She's been at 135, or uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure at 135 in there against Caitlin Chikagian and beat her. She's been in there with some good fighters. Has she been in there with anybody near Valentina Shevchenko's level? Andrade, and she beat her six years ago, but that was a long time ago too. Karmouche was 26 when she beat Shevchenko. Karmouche yeah. is now 35. Yeah, man. How, how, how does this unfold for you? I think Shevchenko wins this, but damn, I'm excited for this one. Oh, definitely excited. Yeah, I think Karmouche is going to bring the pain to her and, and not going to go away uh, easily. But I think Shevchenko is just going to shine here in terms of her footwork, uh, her skill set, uh, just the way she unloads with her striking and her just her precision until she gets the opportunity uh, to, to really put a hurting on somebody. Look at what she did to Jessica I, right? Like, uh, that was a scary, scary scenario. I'm not saying it's going to happen to Liz Carmouche, but uh, Shevchenko needs just one opening, and she sets it up. She sets it up beautifully. So uh, it could get ugly for Carmouche. I do, I do think Carmouche is going to do whatever she can to bully the champion, bully her, control her, take her down to the mat, not give her the opportunity to strike. Uh, but I just think Shevchenko's you know, ground game and footwork is, is – or sorry – uh, footwork and takedown defense might be a little too much uh, for Carmouche. I mean, it's MMA and it can happen, right? But yeah, I'm leaning towards uh, the champ in this fight here. I'm with you there. I, I would put five on Carmouche too. I'll go ahead and do my I got five on it picks. Got to go Carmouche plus 800 just in case because you never know. Off, also, one of the bigger lines on this show is Rafael Pessoa. Do I think he's going to win? No, I definitely, definitely don't. But... um also, I'm going to go with uh, Eler Latifi at plus 125. Not only that, the plus 145 that it goes to a decision. But, Joe, well, what do you got going on this week? Sable, man. When are you coming to Toronto? I will be there uh, 24 hours from now, 22 hours from now, actually. All right. I believe there is a baseball game uh, on Friday. Friday night. Yeah, I got to miss Ring of Honor Summer Supercard for it, but getting lots of work done. There's just so much going on, Joe. I'm going to try and attend uh, Friday night. I have a big gathering during the day. I've got a coach uh, on Friday night, so if one of my assistant coaches can step in, great. I will see you uh, on Friday night. If not... My bald head will not be in attendance and Jimmy <laughs> Van will be yelling at me. Guys, thank you all so much. Reminder, subscribe, youtube.com slash Fightful MMA Boxing, where this will go up later, as well as clips from the show. Leave us a thumbs up. That stuff really, really helps us. And even if you don't listen on YouTube, please head over to our iTunes page. Leave a nice five-star review. That helps people on iTunes find us. Uh, because most of our audience comes from YouTube, it, it really goes a long way. Thank you guys so much. Until next time, we're out.
Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.